I'm a true champion. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Wrestle Plug podcast. I've had a list a mile long of people I want on my podcast from literally everywhere in the world. We've had the X Division champion, who is now the Impact World Champion, Josh Alexander. We've had the NWA Television champion. We've had the Progress Women's Champion. We've had all kinds of crazy, crazy people. But there's one guy I've always wanted on a podcast from Outcast Pro Wrestling, and that is, of course, their vaunted owner, Jack Sinero, who has been ducking me for the longest time. So I can only assume that he's got plenty of time in his hands this evening because he has <laughs> finally dragged his monkey ass onto the wrestle plug. And don't worry, Jackson, you can swear and say whatever you like here because unlike certain podcasts, it's all uncensored, baby. Welcome to the wrestle plug. Thank you very much for having me. I uh, unfortunately couldn't duck you any longer, so I'm actually here now. Um, but no, I'm very much looking forward to it, and you've been very, very patient with me um being incredibly busy and uh waited around and we're finally going to do it and i'm really looking forward to it yeah no i respect the fact that you're a busy man and one of the main reasons that jackson Harris is a busy man is because he's disgustingly at just the age of i believe 24 an entrepreneur a business owner independent brand recognition everything you can imagine in professional wrestling and one of the leading lights of why our industry is rebuilding itself in the right way so let's start right at the beginning of matters everybody watching this knows who jackson arrow is we like to think but for the small minority of people who are living under a rock what is jackson arrow's representation in british independent wrestling so i like to wrestle a like the kind of uh, popular sort of indie style at the moment which is kind of hard hitting high flying fast-paced wrestling but also kind of telling a story while I do it um so that's sort of how I would represent myself as a wrestler and it's also the kind of the way I would describe Outcast Pro Wrestling is that it's the way I try to teach guys and what I try to get them to do is yet again sort of wrestle to a fast-paced high standard but also to tell a story as they go and to you know, just try and make it as entertaining as possible, as well as getting in the cool moves and all that cool shit and stuff like that. Yeah, you're a very accomplished wrestler, but for the people who maybe don't realise or maybe don't want to look behind the curtain as much, even though we have such a visceral and open kind of door policy now with wrestling where the curtain has been peeled back beyond belief, we all see beyond, you know, we see the fourth wall, essentially. Um, you're the owner proprietor and head trainer at Outcast Pro Wrestling based on the Isle of Wight. Um, that's, been, that's been talked about for many a moon, but obviously for you, I'm more interested in delving into what goes behind that concept. So at 24 years old, to say, I own a wrestling promotion, I train wrestlers, and I am the only remote and, well, frankly, you are just legit the only wrestling promotion on the Isle of Wight. Sure, there are other people coming over maybe every now and then once in a blue moon to put on a yeah, show right. but they are not Isle of Wight they are literally just kind of visiting tourists basically yeah. um so for you you're 24 years old how do you take on board that mentally I want to know 
you seem to just find it so easy. You do. You like stroll around just very casually. You're obviously well, uh, it's, it's certainly not easy, but I'm I'm very very lucky that I have an incredible team around me um, that helped me and make it all like to make it all possible. Um, so I think I struggled a lot more, especially when I first started, because it was a case of not necessarily trusting people as much or um, trying to do a lot of the stuff myself. Um, and not putting my faith in others to actually help me out a little bit more. Um, but now I've got all sorts of support. So um, my better half helps out with all the admin and stuff like that. Um, she does all sorts of stuff for me. Uh, we've got Kane who helps out with a lot of the social media side. Um, obviously Simon Main makes all of our graphics and posters and stuff like that. Um, and yeah, just a lot of a lot of people helping out uh, in the overall product to make it a better production for everybody. Um, but yeah, so like when I first started, I think I was 21 when I first set up a school. And uh, at that time, I hadn't actually been training that long. Um, and I thought, you know what, I'm going to give it a go because nobody else has a wrestling school on the island. And I thought it was about time that somebody gave it a go over here, even though it was a small place. I thought they could grow sort of homegrown talent and then put on a show with that talent that they've, they've grown through, um, as well as combining that with a mixture of mainland talent. And obviously, when we first started Outcast, it was all mainland talent coming across from Portsmouth, Southampton uh, and everything like that. And then eventually through coaching people and uh, getting enough people to join the school and training them up we've managed to make it so that the majority of people on the show are just outcast pro wrestling guys that are trained on the Isle of Wight and then we get the occasional um, like sort of mainland indie guy across um, to come and wrestle with some of our guys. Yeah I want to it's there's so many different questions I could ask just from a personal standpoint, but obviously for the viewership as well. So, you know, obviously I've mentioned it's, it's hard to get past the fact that you're just 24, but you've got an incredibly difficult and unique hurdle because if you look around the world and even if you just look at Britain, you're the only training school where you are somewhat isolated. You know, you're kind yeah. of, you're on an island. You literally legitimately are on an island. And so for anyone to work on the Isle of Wight, for anyone to train on the Isle of Wight, that requires an incredible amount of transit, uh, ferries, you know, the catamaran, whatever it might be. What's the, how difficult is the hurdle been? Because you've got this incredibly dedicated core of people who train with you. And you've got this yeah. incredible, you know, it's like a family. It is. It's very family orientated. It's not like a lot of training schools where there is kind of a ferocious click mentality. This is more about everybody tries to sort of muck in and be positive and strong and support each other. And obviously, like families, every now and then you're going to want to give somebody a quick swipe around the backside of, you know, the local. Yeah. Club. <laughs> it's just the way that is that's just how family is um we're all experienced in that regard what's the biggest hurdle being on the island would you say what's the one thing that has really been the most difficult thing to get past knowing that you are essentially surrounded by water i think i think there's a couple of things i think um the the travel itself is quite a tricky one because for example if my guys are getting booked on the mainland 
you're sort of taking into account a 50 quid boat fee before you're even taking into account bookings and the rest of the expenses, which it, in a sense, it's, it always puts you in a disadvantage because even if you are really, really good, people don't want to pay the extra 50 pounds to start with on top of the rest of the travel and then the booking fees and everything like that. Um, so that is always a bit of a disadvantage, but that is also an issue for me booking mainland guys coming across to the island because I also have to pay that boat fare for them. So I think that has been a, an issue, but now that we've got our own homegrown sort of talent, it's not as much of an issue because I can book more of my own island guys um, to do outcast shows and then just bring in the occasional um sort of big talent or a couple of mainland guys to come and fill spots um, and stuff like that. And that's really good for the outcast guys as well, because they get really excited to work different people. Um, so when we do get the chance to bring over people from the mainland, people like Kelly Six uh, and the Rebellion and people like this, the guys are really excited to work with them because they don't get to work with them as often as they would if they lived in, say, London or somewhere like that. Um, where they would get more booking opportunities against guys of that caliber. Um, I think another issue for the island itself is I think a lot of people kind of look at it as, oh, these are just the local guys doing a local performance and they don't see it as this is a professional show um, and the people that are working on these shows are working really hard and some of which are, you know, the best or some of the best in the country. Um, so you have guys like, we've had guys like Tucker fly in and do shows and he was absolutely incredible. Um, and obviously recently we had Axton Ray and Blanco Loco, Dream Girl Ellie come over from the States and do stuff with us. Um, so I think it's kind of trying to get rid of that. It's just a small local thing. Um, mentality to actually this is a really cool thing we've got going on here on the island and we should take advantage of it and go and watch it because it, it is a really cool thing that we've got and it's right on our doorstep the um the culture of the isle of Wight is different like it's it's almost like its own entity you feel in some ways like you're going on a holiday you're going abroad there's a different pace there's a different mentality there's a different attitude to how people perceive life and how they work around mm -hmm. that and so what that means is that you have kind of formed your own culture. So when, for instance, for instance, like the mainland, as we like to affectionately call it, where <laughs> with all the boring people, you know, like um, there's, there's something, there's something about that. I noticed that um, the pace is a lot more intense here, and particularly yeah. in the wrestling business, where I'm very fortunate to work in a multitude of different places, I've noticed that the pace is incredibly ferocious, and that's mm -hmm. quite good in a way. However, I've noticed that it's almost separated. So when you go yeah, to the Isle of Wight, when you go to Outcast, you're going to experience something very different to anything else. And because of that, as much as that is a positive experience overall, I do believe there's a negative there. And the negative is that because the majority, I think it's safe to say the majority of people there aren't going to be exposed to regular wrestling culture like you would be mm -hmm. over here. For instance, I've worked, what, seven straight weekends. That's not yeah. going to happen on the other way because you don't have the multitude of promotions. It's not because people yeah. aren't talented enough to do it. We all know you are. But because of that, um, 
do you think that what that does is it also lends itself not only to your locker room but also to a potential audience because like yeah. you said they don't see it as oh this is just wrestling we know pro wrestling we've watched Hulk Hogan growing up blah 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 actually do you feel that you're kind of essentially stunted further than more most because it's not like wrestling is not like just a part of our society it's not a generally accepted part yeah. of the way. I think it's a little bit more of a casual audience when we get fans coming in they're kind of a little bit more like um sort of they might have watched the occasional WWE show um but they don't necessarily follow indie wrestling which is something that's really changed a lot since we've had like the wrestling school in Sandown is a lot of the people that um and we've started running more regular shows a lot of the people that first came to the shows and only knew stuff about WWE and they'd, you know they'd stay behind after the shows and have conversations with me about WWE and stuff like that and I'd kind of be like you do know there's more to wrestling than just WWE um like us for example and uh all of a sudden now the people that stay behind are talking to me about all sorts of different promotions. They're talking to me about AEW. They're talking to me about New Japan. They're talking to me about Ring of Honor. They're talking to me about, you know, GCW and stuff like that, which is really cool to um, have sort of seen a shift in the fans that constantly come, see a shift in their mentality where they're like, oh, okay, if Outcast are out here doing stuff, then there must be different indie promotions and let's look up some of them and they've looked some of them up and they're like oh this stuff's really cool i'm going to follow this more so than the mainstream products that i was following before has it been difficult to turn people's attention towards your promotion in the same for instance i can start a promotion tomorrow uh, mm-hmm. and i can make it on the main line. i can say i don't know coming coming to london wrestle plug wrestling I have access to so many different things you don't. I have a wider audience, the potential for travel, the network of traveling and everything like that. Have these all made it like venues? Yeah, exactly. That's the other thing as well. Like people think that, I don't think people realize just how little access you have to things over there in comparison to the mainland at least. Yeah. Um, how how hard is it? Like, is it still an ongoing process or is it something that's been fine-tuned now and you're comfortable? So I've got three venues that I'm very comfortable with, like working with, um, and that's Ventnor Winds Gardens, Strings and Fever Boutique in Newport. Um, So those are sort of my three go-to venues. We are looking into having more venues um, sort of around the island in different places. The difficulty has been so far getting family-friendly venues Um, So we've only got the one family friendly one at the moment. The other two are 16 plus and 18 plus. Um, And that's simply because they have the size to fit in a wrestling ring. um, And they're in a better location than our family friendly one, which is out out the way in the sticks in Ventnor. Um, Which is fine because it's a big hall. So we're able to fit a good amount of people in, but you get the sort of island mentality of, oh, that's out of the way, I don't want to drive to Ventnor, even though, realistically, it's a maybe 20-minute, half-an-hour drive from most places on the island. Um, you very much have an island mentality of, I don't want to go there if it's not Newport or Ride or one of the big sort of areas on the island where 
it's maybe a 15 minute drive and people are more interested in going to those places because they're just slightly easier to get to. Um, so we found that a little bit tricky. Um, so yeah, we, we're hoping to get more venues um, around sort of Newport, Cowes sort of area, that's slightly bigger towns. Um, this is really, like, we don't even have any cities on the island. It's literally just all different towns and villages. So I think it's hard to find a good area to put on a show and then also to find people to pull into the show, um, especially if they're not from that area. It's very hard to get people to go to different towns or villages um, and spend their time and money going to a wrestling show. How badly did COVID affect business for you? Because even on the mainland, we suffered tremendously but you've got access to a very limited amount of people in comparison to everybody else. So was business, like, was it literally a case of this is probably the most difficult hurdle we'll ever have to undertake? Uh, I think the, the only reason we're still in business is because we had the wrestling school. Um, and because we had the wrestling school, we got the grants for having uh, a building and stuff like that. Mm. Um, so that helped us out massively in order to keep us open. Um, otherwise, we would have we wouldn't have made it through COVID. Um, so those grants really helped us out. Um, the in terms of people dropping off, we literally just had to follow the guidance. So obviously, we didn't run any shows when we weren't able to, um, and then we started coming back with socially distanced like one person in the ring training sessions so it was literally just one person would go in they'd do some cardio stuff they'd do some flips they'd finish their session i'd go and clean the ropes like spray all the floors everything like that um and then the next person would come in i'd sit well away at my desk um and then they'd come in and and do the same again and they'd just do different flips but it it would literally be right you book in a one hour slot give me an half an hour, 45 minutes between so that I can clean everything. And then we'll book you back, book in a different person for the next hour and then go like that. Luckily, a lot of my wrestlers were very supportive and they also desperately wanted to get back in the ring after not being in the ring for an awfully long amount of time. So a lot of them kind of said, all right, this isn't ideal but it's better than not being able to do anything. So we'll jump in and we'll do that. Um, and then obviously when the restrictions eased, I think we had a, a show and I think there was a restriction brought back a month and the restrictions were due to end something like two days before the show. So we, we kept our show penciled in We'd got Tucker flying across from um, from Northern Ireland and we we're literally just sat there, fingers crossed that the restrictions and stuff didn't change because they'd already changed like three or four times before then. Um, and luckily they stuck to the restrictions date and then we did our first show back. Um, and that was, that was an amazing feeling to have people back in the crowd. Um, but it was a little bit kind of it's always going to be a little bit almost uh, nervy when people are first coming back 
because you're like, right, we've got to socially distance people. We've got to make sure that people are not sat in more than six or anything like that. And it was, it was very, very stressful. Um, but I thought that was the most sort of stressful part was not knowing if the restrictions were going to change or if we're going to stay the same um, because we got the grants and that kind of tied us over financially. What's the, um, what's the really greatest source of pride of what you've achieved so far? as a head trainer and also an owner of this promoter, um, this promotion? Um, okay, so there's a few things that really, like, hit me. And one of them was quite recently and actually got me a little bit emotional. Um, so one of the, the biggest ones was we did a show at CXW up in Essex. Um, and we had... Uh, I, I was obviously wrestling and ended up winning the belt and that was that was great but that wasn't the biggest takeaway for me from that night it was that we had I think it was 16 or 18 of our outcast by wrestling wrestlers wrestling on that roster um, and I thought that was really really cool because you know if we look back maybe three or four years there was maybe one or two of those guys that were in the industry before and now there was sort of 16, 18 people doing a show um, up in Essex quite soon after after lockdown, all getting an opportunity. Um, and that was really, really cool. And another one was uh, at CWP um, not long ago. Um, obviously, the virus came. Michael and Lunatrix won the uh, respective championships. So Lunatrix won the women's belt and Kane Michael won the county championship. And honestly, like that filled me with so much pride because those are two people I've trained who have never wrestled before. Um, they've never wrestled anywhere else in terms of training schools. Um, Lunatrix, for example, didn't even know about wrestling before she came to the training school um, and was actually trained from the ground up um to then be able to go and win a championship elsewhere like that meant an awful lot to me um to the extent that she was there celebrating with her belt and I was getting a little bit emotional and I was all right don't get emotional you've got a match coming up and then uh when Kane won his match I was in the same match and you'll see at the end I'm moving Danny Disorder's leg out the way um and trying to like pull him out the ring and I'm making it look like I'm trying to come in to break up the pin, but I'm really just there on the apron so I can see Kane get the win and celebrate with the belt um, because I was just so proud of both of them, incredibly proud. Um, so little moments like that, um, stuff like JJ Valair being the first of my trainees to wrestle on a different show. Um, so he wrestled at Strike um, and did all sorts of stuff at Strike down in Bournemouth. Um, and then ended up wrestling me there, which was really good fun. Um, but yeah, there's all sorts that I'm proud of. Even bringing guys across from America to the Isle of Wight for a wrestling show, which, you know, three years ago, I'd have thought you were absolutely crazy to, if I said, I'm going to bring guys across from America to wrestle on the island. And yeah, we've managed to do it this year. Um, so there's an awful lot that I'm proud of and there's an awful lot that we're going to keep doing that I'm going to be incredibly proud of. Um, but those are just some of the things that, that really, really, when I sit back and look at it, um, 
and like sometimes I question myself and I'm like, am I doing a good job or whatever and I look at those things and I think do you know what I'm doing okay I'm, I'm doing the best I can it's 11 o'clock thank you very much um, it's 11 o'clock apparently, <laughs> apparently the ITV guy lives in your house as well <laughs> it's 11 o'clock wake up um, good stuff good stuff <laughs> we're related uh, here. Um, yeah, let's let's switch gears now that we've been told how late it is, and you know, like, we're really, really busting cafe. People don't need to know what time we record this shit. Yeah, no, absolutely. Look outside. <laughs> Thank you. I um, completely forgot about that. That's good stuff. I like that. Um, Every time. Yeah, that's that'll be the only run in you'll get on this podcast, ladies and gentlemen. We hope. Oh, don't worry. When, it, when we hit twelve o'clock, it will do it again. It's twelve o'clock. Yeah, and then when it hits <laughs> one o'clock, that's when Rudy Root rises from the grave. And uh, oh god. That's where we yeah. all go to bed. So, yeah, he goes full. Uh, he goes into his full moon mode, and we're off to bed. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it, it's you know what we've mentioned him, and I think it's quite apt because for me, one of the big identities, one of the big DNA kind of samples, so to speak, for lack of a better term, that is running right through the middle of Outcast is this rivalry you've had with Rudy Root, which is extended yeah. for so long: injuries, attacks, personal vitriol, things like that. But there's also been a sequence of matches that have stood the test and the time of quality that is put into training and put into the work ethic of Outcast Pro Wrestling. Is it fair to say that's the key rivalry? That's what kind of is the spine of what Outcast has done from a storytelling perspective? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think there was, I think it kind of was leading up to it for a little while. So um, one thing I'm really proud of personally is if you watch sort of my title reign as I'm going through match to match to match, you kind of see my character start to get more and more cocky. Um, and I'm, I'm starting to get more and more cocky. And then eventually me and Rudy have this, but I'm still getting cheered. I'm still doing babyface stuff, but I'm starting to be a little bit more and more cocky. And then me and Rudy, uh, me and Rudy Root win the tag team championships, which was completely by chance and changed on the night. Um, because... Funny enough, our opponents were supposed to be going over um, and somebody picked up an injury on the show. There was quite a lengthy delay and the tag team match was the main event. And I sat there and I, I said to the guys, I said, I'm so, so sorry, but we need to send them home happy after such a long delay. Because to be fair to them, the crowd were incredible and they stuck around for the whole thing. Um, even when sort of the guys being taken away, um and I said to the guys, I said, look, we need to just send them home happy. We need to have a happy crowd at the end of this. We can't let them leave with a sour taste in their mouth, the heels going over. Um, and to be fair to both the guys, they weren't happy about it on the night, but now they look back at it and they're like, Do you know what? You made the right choice there from a booking standpoint. That was absolutely the right choice. Um and then from there we were like, okay let's see what sort of a story we can tell with this. Cause I was the OPW champion at the time. So I was then the OPW and the tag team champion. Um, and I was like, you know what? It'd be cool if we had a sort of rivalry between me and Rudy, who are the current tag team champions at that time. Um, so we threw together the tag team of Alex Kent and Victor Logan who are kind of a dysfunctional tag team. Uh, Alex Kent's a babyface and Victor Logan's a heel. 
So they obviously bounce off each other and they're two very big characters, um, which is an incredible amount of fun. And both of those guys are doing so, so well and uh, like have absolutely smashed it since day one of being put together as a tag team. Um, so we decided to have the tag match and Rudy Root cost me the match because I went up for my finish, the bolt from the blue, the springboard 184 arm and Rudy Root tagged himself in. Um, and then later that night, me and Rudy Root had a title match and I hadn't fully turned heel at this point, but I was showing that I was more and more aggressive and I was really, really frustrated at Rudy for um, sort of costing us the tag belts and sort of my frustration then got the better of me. I injured my ankle. Rudy Root then capitalised on that. He's never won a match by submission before. He ended up slapping me in four ankle locks um, and I end up tapping out. He gets a massive re uh, response because Rudy is an incredible worker and an incredible baby face. Um, so it got a massive response from all the fans. Um, and then after that, I gave him a hug. I said, you know, we did our, did our little promo thing. I said how much he deserved it. Um, handed him over the belt. Um, and what I love about it is it, it kind of just grinds away at Jackson Arrow a little bit. It just eats at him that little bit and the next show I was actually away for my my brother's 30th and um I was like okay so how can we use this as fuel right okay Jack Sarah is going to be really annoyed that he wasn't put on this show um and it's almost like as soon as he's lost the belt he's lost all sorts of meaning and he's lost himself um so Rudy had a legit injury that he wasn't going to be able to wrestle on the next show. Um, so I was like, okay, how are we going to fit this in with some sort of storyline again? Right, I'm going to attack him. So I attacked him, um, which then meant that he could cut a promo on the show and say that he wasn't able to wrestle, but he didn't know who his attacker was. I then attacked him again on the show um, and sort of revealed that it was me. Uh, and then from there, we've led into, we had a fatal four-way, um, which was with Tucker and JJ Valair, and I ended up getting lost Rudy's title for him, uh, which led to me and Rudy's sort of frustrations rising, um, and it led to a uh, match between me and Rudy, the blow-off match, um, where if I won, I got to keep my head of security um, Drew Wilson and I got to um, become Outcast Pro Wrestling general manager and if Rudy won then Drew Wilson was sort of fired from my security um, and I obviously wouldn't be Outcast Pro Wrestling general manager and uh, yeah I think it, it told a story quite nicely to get to that point um, and then yeah we had the match and I, I ended up winning with a little bit of help from Drew and uh, yeah, so it's, it's worked quite nicely, I think, to, to tell the story up to that point. Uh, but a lot of it kind of fell into place through coincidence. And a lot of it was like, right, let's try and make the best out of what we've got and tell a story from that. Uh, and I think it worked really well. You know, I've 
when you were speaking about that, you mentioned the fact you were Outcast Pro Wrestling Champion and also simultaneously Tag Team Champion at a certain mm-hmm. point, albeit not for too long, it has to be said, because of Rudy's incompetence, which is not really a surprise, to be honest. He's an idiot. Outrageous. You know, he's a, you know, it's, it's a joke. Um, you know, stick to the video games, kid. But for <laughs> me, it's like, whatever. Like, <laughs> it doesn't, doesn't bother me, honey. It doesn't bother me. Um, and it never will. Uh, for me, I, I'm very curious, and I want to ask this question. As you know, I'm not going to kiss your ass. Um, mm-hmm. The perception for a lot of people will be, you are the promoter, you are the owner of Outcast Pro Wrestling. I think you, people can find that out pretty quickly and pretty easily yeah. if they want to. So then they watch your product and they see that you are the champion. And then they see that you're also tag team champion. Um, first of all, of course, people are going to say, well, he's just putting himself yeah. over. But there's also yeah. that perception of, I imagine it must have been going through your mind because you do think about everything. Yeah. What, uh, were you worried that the perception would be that you were essentially that guy? Yes, massively. So when I first put myself over for the OPW heavyweight title, um, Kelly Six had just relinquished the belt because he was getting booked everywhere. Um, and rightly so, because he's an incredible talent. Um, so he was getting booked everywhere. He wasn't able to make a couple of our shows. Um, and I said, like, I, I really need the belt on the show. And he completely understood that and relinquished the belt. And it came to a point where I was like, right, okay, I really don't know who I'm going to put this on. And I need it to be somebody who's here all the time. So ideally, I need it to be somebody who's based on the island. Now, at that time, we had JJ Belair and his partner at the time, who were the tag team champions. Then we had um, sort of, we had a couple of guys that could have been ready, but also needed a bit more of a build because they hadn't been on shows for that long. Um, and then we had people like Scrappy Jack, who was probably very, very close to being ready for that sort of a push, but not quite there at that time. So it was kind of like, right, okay, who do I trust from the island to put this on first? And I was like, right, it, it could have gone to JJ very easily, but he was already tag team champion at the time. So... I kind of had to delay that a little bit until he dropped the tag team belts. Um, and then I kind of just kept thinking about it and thinking about it, thinking about it. I was like, you know, the only logical answer for someone that's been doing this a while, for someone that has is of a, a good level that could take it on and feel confident with it would be myself. Um, so I put myself in that position for the, uh, OPW title um, and I was kind of waiting stuff out ready to drop it um, so I was ready to drop it to to Jay for a little while um, to JJ Belair and he uh, had a child which is fine um, but obviously means that he wasn't able to make a couple of shows which then meant that the belt couldn't change hands at that time because he had a kid um and then I was like okay cool you're back to training you're ready um 
and everything like that. And then he had another child. So it kind of delayed that a little bit further. Um, and obviously COVID happened. So I kept the belt for a little bit longer, which was really quite frustrating. So I was actually ready to drop it because like I say, I didn't want people looking at me as, oh, he's that promoter. He's going over for the belt. Of course he is because he is that guy. I, I want people to look at me and be like, oh, that's Jack Snarrow. He's a really good wrestler. And he happens to also promote the show. Um, so I then, um, I, Jay wasn't able to take it at one point. So I was like, do you know what? Rudy, you've absolutely earned it. The guy puts in a huge amount of training. He puts in so many hours. He's an incredible worker. I like, it's your, it's your time now. So we'll go into this storyline. Um, like I say, originally, we we're going to lose the tag match and then go into the storyline. Um, and then the injury happened. So we had to win the tag belts to send the fans home happy to send because the baby faces were winning. Uh, which I was kind of like, great, here we go. You are Jackson Arrow, that guy that puts himself over for all the belts. Brilliant. Um, but at the same time, I kind of looked at it as it's the product on the night. And sometimes you have to do things for the crowd that are there, that are paying the money to be there. Um, and you want to send those fans home happy, especially if they've had something traumatic happen at the show. So... I kind of uh, thought, right, okay, I'll just bite the bullet on this one and I'll take any flack that I'm going to get if I'm going to get it. Um, and then, yeah, obviously, as soon as I could, which was the next show after, I dropped both, both belts. So um, in, a, in a sense, I helped, like, I've been the longest reigning OPW champion, um, but the whole way throughout the reign, I was trying to find a way of dropping it off to somebody else. Um, so it's one of those crazy things, isn't it? That you, you sit there and think, well, that guy, if you're looking at it from an external standpoint, you might think, well, that guy's really putting himself over and really giving himself the big push. But really it was kind of trying to find the right time and the right person to drop it to. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious. Cause obviously you made a statement in there about how you didn't want to put it on JJ when he was tag team champion, but then you wound up holding both the tag titles and the heavyweight title. Is that purely out of necessity for a storyline? Cause some people might sit there and say, well, that's a little bit hypocritical of you to say that Absolutely. when you put both belts it, on yourself. It was purely out of necessity for that one show in a sense of, um, when somebody got injured you had to then send the crowd home happy because it was quite a long delay um so with that delay i had to send the crowd home happy and it just happened to be me and rudy in the main event that were the baby faces um mm. if for example i had been on the heel team that night and i was supposed to be winning the belts the baby faces would have retained because that was what needed to happen the baby faces needed to win to send that crowd home happy What's the, I can sit here and tell everyone how great Outcast is, and it is, but it's one of those things of, I don't believe in bullshit, you know, positivity. I believe in positivity through work and respect yeah. and earning That's it. Um, I don't believe that, like, for instance, if I get in your ring of training and 
hurt somebody accident or not it's not a case of it's you know it's not a positive reinforcement thing in that regard it's not like yeah. hey wait, well you tried your best i mean you decapitated someone but you tried your best <laughs> you know no nah, not gonna fly so you've done all these amazing things outcast is probably in the strongest position it's ever been in what mm. is in your opinion the weakest point that outcast has right now production value for sure so um and I'm not talking about like our camera guys because I think they are fantastic. Um, so we've got Sam and uh, Simon that do a lot of camera work. Um, but in terms of lighting, in terms of entranceway, um, little things like that that could really change and scale up our product. Um, in terms, well, in terms of all sorts, really. Um, little things like advertising videos that you do for us are incredible. Um, however, we haven't had those before. So that would have been a weak point before you started doing them for us and they have been insane. Um, so I'd say little things like that, um, maybe advertising as well, because it's quite hard to advertise on the island. Um, there's not a great deal of sort of big promotional areas hmm. where you can just get posters up or you can get a big banner or anything of that nature um so i'd say those sort of things are probably our sort of biggest weaknesses yeah it's, it's absolutely fair um it's it's a weird thing because obviously my predominant job in wrestling is to make people's stuff look good it's basically the brass tags of it and you lose count of how many promotions and you, you know, they sort of say to you like you know oh the footage looks good but the promotion doesn't look like it. it's like well you know i'm only here to record it in the best way possible yeah. it's up to you to dress it up you know you can take shots of anybody with a camera but ultimately you know models need to provide themselves in a certain light they need to you know maybe it's makeup with you know departments of whatever fashion there's a multitude of things you can do there so you know we appreciate honesty here um yeah. you just had a show april 23rd i say just i mean obviously by the time this comes out we'll be veering into your forthcoming upcoming shows um which is fine we'll talk about those as well um is it is it difficult to feel like every show is your best show do you feel that way or do you feel like like what's the hardest thing to get is it consistency or is it just i think i know, think all shows i don't think there's ever a show that you sit back and look at and you go that was perfect um and i don't think there ever can be because i think there's always room to improve um, so I don't think I'd ever sit back and watch a show and go, wow, that was perfect. I, I personally, I don't really like watching my own stuff back because I always sit there and go, right, I'm going to be really harsh on myself and that bit looked bad and that bit looked bad. And sometimes when you're in there and it feels really good and you watch it back and it doesn't look as good as it felt, you're like, hmm, that sucks. Um, so from a personal standpoint, I'll always be hypercritical of both the show and the my own personal performance. Um, in terms of the shows, I think it's all about giving a, a balance and a variety, whether that's 
through the people that are on the show and the people's abilities on the show as well because you're always going to have so for us where we've got a training school I think we can almost get away with it a little bit because it's not necessarily a lot of the time like some of the guys are not going to be the finished product they're just not because some of them have only just started some of them are just doing it to get experience um some of them are in shorter matches or multi-man matches and those are to help them get exposure and experience but i think that things like that are really really important to the business um it might not necessarily mean they're going to have the greatest match on the card however it is the best thing for their development as a wrestler and i think we wouldn't be in a position where we are to have so many wrestlers that do shows if we didn't have that sort of a match where every so often we have people that maybe aren't ready for a singles match um, and they're not quite to that level and they're in a multi-man and that is where they get their shot to be on the show they get their shot to fill their stuff in to work on their stuff in front of a crowd and be like okay this was what worked for me and this didn't necessarily work for me um, so when I do get that opportunity in the singles I'm going to make sure I do a lot of this and a lot of these things, not so much of that, because although that may have worked in the training school, it didn't work at the show. So I'll leave that out. Does that make sense? I mean, it, it, yeah, I mean, it always makes sense when you say it. Uh, <laughs> much less if Rudy said it, if I'm being honest. <laughs> you know, just, how you doing, buddy? Uh, it's... it's uh, I'm just fascinated. I think a lot of people watching this will probably be like, oh, you know, you haven't asked him where he trained, how he got trained, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, the reason for that is because it's already out there. So why would I waste my time yeah. on yours? Um, and That's to be honest, I think people are fascinated by the ins and outs of the, not only the makings of a wrestling promotion, but the mental toll it takes as well. And, you know, you've mentioned a lot of different things like that. But at the same time, I like the idea of looking forward to things. And obviously... Yeah. Um, you know, we're in the merry month of May, and on the 26th, you have no regrets at Fever and Boutique. Absolutely. And obviously, tickets are only eight pounds. And um, do you have a QR code? Uh, yes, we do somewhere. That's good news. Uh, no, you, that's not how that works. Yes. Like, so, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the idea of it being electronic is that you don't hand out a piece of paper. Well, not so much so, but the reason I ask is because there you go. So, if you scan yeah. that with your phone. You can obviously get tickets if you so wish. If you can make yourself, you know, known on the Isle of Wight, and obviously it is difficult to travel over there for people who maybe don't have as much disposable income. For anyone watching this, that's an easy way to get your tickets, particularly if you can make it on a Thursday night. So obviously this is an eighteen plus show. Your Thursday night shows are, and it looks kind of like it's a rotational concept now. So you'll have one family friendly, one eighteen plus. So people never feel like they're too disjointed. I think that's quite a good idea. Um, yeah. Talk to me about this show. Sell it to me. Like, you know, give us the hard sell, brother. Once again, we've got an absolutely incredible card. So, uh, JJ Valera versus Joe Lando. I think that's sort of your entrance fee alone. Um, just on those two. rubbish, that. <laughs> two incredibly, like, fast, high-flying, hard-hitting wrestlers. Um 
I'm really looking forward to that match. I'm also really looking forward to the fact that it's quite a low ceiling. So there's always going to be an element of risk in what they're doing because uh, like Joe Lando is not going to be able to pop up to the, the top rope and hit a shooting star uh, and neither is JJ. So they're both going to have to try and pull something slightly different out of their arsenal. Um, and I'm kind of excited for that because I want to see what else they can bring that isn't um, sort of the shooting stars and 450s and corkscrew moonsaults and stuff like that. They're going to have to work a slightly different style. And I'm really, really interested to see how they work that style. Um, we've also got newly crowned Isle of Wight champion Scrappy Jack versus Nero, who is our former Isle of Wight champion. Um, so that'll be a very, very interesting match. They've had kind of a very hard hitting rivalry so far. Um, and that's that's going to be a really, really interesting match between the two of them. Um, they recently had uh, an Anarchy Rules match at uh, Bent the Winter Gardens with the virus came Michael and all sorts of stuff happened, going through doors, ironing boards, all sorts of fun stuff. And, uh, you know, they're, they're both two fantastic workers um, from the island. I look forward to seeing what they do in a singles with each other. Um, we've also got Luna Tricks versus Taylor James, who's one half of the Rebellion. Um, so that's going to be a really, really good match. They, they very quickly had a altercation at CXW um, in the Battle Royal uh, and everything they did looked incredibly smooth and incredibly fast. And uh, I know both wrestlers, obviously I've wrestled against both of them. And I, both, I know that they're both phenomenal talents. And I, I think that very well could be match of the night. Um, because I really, really think that Lunatrix versus Taylor James is going to be an amazing match. Um, we've got myself versus Maverick Mayhew, um, which once again is going to be like a very fast-paced, sort of hard-hitting, kind of high-flying match. Um, so that should be really good fun. Um, and I'm really excited for that because I've been looking forward to working him for a long while now. So I'm really looking forward to that one from a personal standpoint. Um, what else have we got? We've got a tag team match between uh, Dude Riot and Azzy Adams teaming together against Ajax and the White Wolf. Um, so these are sort of, uh, this is going to be a really good match because uh, Dude Riot and Azzy Adams were supposed to team together um, on our last show. And unfortunately, there was an injury to Alex Kent. So Azzy Adams wrestled uh, Victor Logan on his own one on one. And for those that didn't know, Azzy Adams hasn't had a win yet in Outcast Pro Wrestling. And I think he was on a 21-match losing streak. Um, and he managed to get his first win over our tag team champion, Victor Logan. Um, so he rolled him up, very quick roll up, managed to get all his weight on top of him and keep him down for a, a very quick free count. And uh, Victor Logan wasn't best pleased. So... You know, it, that could be very, very interesting to see if Azzy Adams takes that momentum into his next tag match. Um, we haven't seen Ajax or the White Wolf for a couple of shows, so it'll be interesting to see how they pair up. Um, and it'll also be interesting to see, you know, if there's any sort of ring rust there um, or anything with those two, especially as they've not teamed before. 
so I think definitely the advantage there goes to Azzy and Dude. Um, and we'll see how they go together. Uh, but yeah, again, they still haven't had a tag match together. Dude was just Azzy's manager. So who knows if they're going to work well as a team. Um, that could be a very, very interesting dynamic. And then our last match, this isn't in any sort of show order, um, but our last match is the virus came Michael versus Rudy Root versus Axel Chaos um, in a triple threat, no DQ elimination match. Now, the reason why that one's going to be really interesting is mostly because I want to see Rudy Root suffer as much as possible. So I'm going to chuck him in there with the virus who I have wrestled, who I know is incredibly brutal and an amazing wrestler. And Axel Chaos, who, when he joined the Cult of the Apocalypse, actually turned his back on his partner at the time, which was Rudy Root. So interesting how things have come full circle in that sense of the Cult turn their back on Axel Chaos. Um, but when Axel Chaos originally turned his back, it was on Rudy Root. So that will be an interesting dynamic in that match because obviously you've got anything that can happen with the virus. He's so unpredictable, pain, uncertainty, panic. Um, he literally, you know, he does a lot of crazy stuff and he can make crazy things happen out of nowhere. Um, you've got Rudy Root, who is a former Outcast Pro Wrestling heavyweight champion um, and has been on a little bit of a downward spiral um, since losing the belt. He obviously lost the belt in the Fatal 4-Way with JJ Belair and then lost to me. Um, so it would be interesting to see if he can pick himself up and uh, start to get a win. And then you've got Actual Chaos, who recently got turned on by the Cult of the Apocalypse. But not only that, he recently lost in the Fatal 4-Way match and he got eliminated and ended up losing to Newt, who is from the Cult of the Apocalypse. So it kind of is a big match together of all sorts of things leading into this triple threat match for a massive blow off for all of them. So it's all come full circle all the way around and we'll see who, who leaves with the win. Yeah, it's going to be intriguing. I think it's probably the right word there and definitely an easy sell at eight pounds for a ticket. And that's obviously yeah. 18 plus. It is just a flat eight pound entrance fee at Fever and Boutique on Newport Isle of Wight on the 26th of May. Um, check out the links in the description. If you didn't catch the QR code, we'll leave it up on the screen. We might even just keep it up in the corner forever and you can just scan it. Yeah. Obviously, <laughs> I know not, not everybody's down with the QR code nonsense. So the links are also available in the descriptions of the podcast. And uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm all for really, really suffering at any point. I mean, he's in suffering. <laughs> okay. I mean, he Absolutely. causes enough suffering to me with his elongated soliloquies that he calls promos. Uh, <laughs> now, now I look forward to him looking up in the dictionary what soliloquy is. Um, <laughs> have fun with that one, buddy. I'll give you a clue. It starts with an S, not a C. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, no, <laughs> you got to confuse him first. Um, yeah. Let's do word association, Jackson Arrow. Let's oh, see. Oh, God. Yeah, you thought you were going to get away with that, didn't you? I did. I, I mean, did think uh, I was going to get away with that. Nah, just because dudes are ringside gave you an easy time doesn't mean you're going to get it. They did. They did. You know why? Because there are a couple of marks. That's why. My friends over in America. 
friends. If they're watching, hey guys. Yeah. See how many bookings they get you, honey. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you, you you just remember who can butter the bread the most. <laughs> and ultimately, those guys don't even have a fridge, so I don't know where they're going to get their butter from. Right. <laughs> now, obviously, I know you well, and I know a lot of people that know you well. So when I asked uh, them all, I said, uh, "Give me some names, and Jackson will be forced." Not a oh, gun, obviously, because this is in America. Another advantage of not being an American podcast. We don't have firearms here. Um, but the bottom line <laughs> is you will give us one word to describe all of these people. Now, obviously, it's not, you know, one word. But if you want to advance on that and give us a little bit more, you can. We'll ease you into the process because we don't hate you nearly as much as we do really, really. In fact, we don't hate you at all, actually. I'm very <laughs> excited about you being a GM because there is, of course, the amazing Cliff Parker as well. And I don't yeah, know he's Bend him off. Yeah, I'm not surprised because, uh, frankly, that is false advertising. There ain't nothing amazing about him <laughs> at all. He is literally mediocrity defined. Um, yeah, which is probably why he got on so well with Rudy Root. So, you know, that's another probably why he put so much trust in Rudy Root. Um, you know how well, they say talent recognizes talent? I'm pretty yes. sure average recognizes average. Yeah, yeah. Mediocrity does enjoy dwelling with mediocrity. So, <laughs> I feel those two will open up a cafe somewhere and serve incredibly under par lattes to people. And so I look forward <laughs> to not ever really getting involved in that garbage. So, one word to describe the virus came on. Incredible. Mm. Absolutely incredible. He's, he's such a kind, sweet human being, um, but also an incredible character. Um, and it just, for somebody to know his character so well is really, really rare. Like, he, he plays a very sort of, I say plays, he is a very, very sort of strange character when he is out in the ring. And it just comes so naturally to him. Every mannerism, every action, every everything he says comes so naturally to him that it's like he's not even trying. He is that good. Cool. Um yeah, Jackson and Kane and their duo podcast coming soon, apparently. Judge <laughs> I'm putting him over. Putting yeah. him over massively. I mean, you know, we're X-rated here and we kind of, you know, we've been pretty good here, actually. There hasn't been much swearing or anything. Yeah, it's not but, really um, bad. I'm incredibly impressed with how much you shoved your head up um, Boris's ass there. Uh, well, no, what you must know is when I am not Jackson Arrow what? in full character mode, then I'm actually really nice. Um, and there's a big difference. He's all right. He's a, he's a bit of an insufferable little shit, but we'll put up with Yeah, <laughs> yeah. What can I just, say? It's natural. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm, I'm just too old for this. Speaking of people who are too old, uh, dude, right. Oh, hard worker. Is that hyphenated? Yes. Cool. Cool. Uh, Rudy just he begins with an H. Look it up in the dictionary, buddy. Um, Ajax. Lovely. He's Dutch a very, very sweet guy. Why is it not pronounced Ajax? That is a good question. Are you worried because about when, copyright? <laughs> when, when, he, <laughs> when he first showed me the name 
and said Ajax. It's it's an old name and it whatever Spartan name or something. Um, and I was game. like, I was like, okay, that is Ajax. That is Ajax Football Club. Uh, and it was like, no, 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 it's it's Ajax. Okay. Yeah, sorry, buddy, but I think more people know who Dennis Burkham is than you. Um, so it is what it is. I, I don't think he's a massive football fan, to be fair. Really, that does surprise me. So I don't think it's. it's I was really uh, looking forward to talking about Clarence Seedorf with him. Okay. <laughs> Just there's no there's no respect for the craft here. There really is. One word to describe Luna Tricks. Uh, oh, no. I'm not good at this. There's not really words that just pop into my oh. head. Um, <laughs> Luna Tricks. Uh, I can't describe her in one word. She is both amazing and a nightmare at the same time. Um, but most of the time, she is amazing. Um, she is one of those people that will turn around to me and be like, Jackson, you haven't done this, you haven't done this, you haven't done this, and really like, like hurry up and do it, do it now, do it now, um, and really nag me to do it, but she's only doing it for my own good because I actually need it done for the show, and she's doing it for the show, not to not to nag. And, um, but also, she is so incredibly kind and sweet to everybody, um, there. She's, she's an amazing person. So I can't sum her up in one word. Mm. Yes. And obviously she must have a controlling interest in the company to get such a quality <laughs> review. Um, that's fine. That's fine. You keep kissing ass because you're not going to be able to do that too much longer. Because... Oh, I will. Don't, don't you worry. I'll do it to everybody. That's... <laughs> I look forward um... There's some names on here and I'll be astonished you can get away with that nonsense with these boys. Um, okay. But... Obviously, obviously, you're very popular, judged by some of these names. Are, <laughs> these are designed specifically to cause turmoil, either for me or for you, I think. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I can see shit houses. Is basically what I'm going to call that. And I know something <laughs> about shit houses on this podcast. Uh, let's have a look. Hmm. White Wolf. See, I'm not good at this. I'm not good at doing it fast. Um, he. Some might say that's a good quality. <laughs> committed. Yeah, commitment. When you spend a night with Jackson Arrow, he is committed. <laughs> um, but he, but he is absolutely committed to coming to training, um, making things work for him um working his he's working on sort of his own style which isn't necessarily kind of the the outcast style of high flying hard hitting he's kind of trying to be more ground based and he's really committed to that and he's sticking to it and working hard on it um and he just needs to he, so at the moment he's trying to find a sort of character to commit to and he's changed recently um to the white wolf and yeah, I'd say he's committed to making this work. It's nice to hear. It's nice to hear. Commitment's difficult in this sport, and so is enthusiasm to continue yeah. it. It, it, takes, it does take a lot. It takes a mental toll. Um, Crush your curves. So he he is an app. He's okay. 
I know that uh, he said some things about us indirectly. Um, for example, on uh, another another show, he said things about us on a social media platform. That's fine. I don't mind. Every time I've seen him, he's been professional. So you can ask for. Yeah. Every ask. every time I've every time I've seen him in an locker room, he's shaken my hand. He's spoken to us. He's been nothing but nice in person. So I would say professional. Darcy Stone. Sweetheart. She's absolutely lovely. She's really, really, she's Love really, really one. nice. Yeah, um, she's special. Both, both her and Josh Kelly Six are, are okay, incredible, and they're 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 really, really nice. I really, I like. I can't put over Kelly Six enough. I I really love that guy. Um, well, you could, you couldn't put the belt on. <laughs> well, that's true. That's true. So, I did no, do that's just an outright lie, but I assume that's. <laughs> And to be fair, you were GM at that point because I assume you, your active GM duty started immediately after your match. So yeah, of course, of course. Just getting the impression um, that you know you're not creating the most professional working environment. That's fine, mate. <laughs> but um, Kelly Six literally. So on on that last show, um, he hadn't told me that he was doing a promo after the show, no. and he he kind of uh, turned around and said how much Outcast has grown as a company and how it's refreshing to see so much sort of homegrown talent coming through and working on a show. Um, and that was really, really sweet because not only did he put over JJ Valair really well and said how incredible Jay was, but that's kind of putting over Outcast as a company and me as a trainer, um, which I didn't know he was going to do. Um, and it was, it was really, really incredibly sweet of him. Uh, and I think more, more businesses would benefit from having guys like Kelly Six wrestle for them, for sure. And Darcy Stone, of course. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, no, um, I mean, Darcy's just awesome. Like, just yeah. awesome. I like Kelly Six. He's all right. He's not bad. And he's, um, you know, they, those are different levels of professionalism. Those are yeah. kind of like standard bearers for how you should behave and how you should represent yourself in our sport. Um, so you yeah. always get a lot of time in that. Not too many more now. Um, just about another twenty-five. Um, <laughs> just kidding. Obviously not. I have to go to bed at some point as well. Um, <laughs> just, um, yeah, normally this is where I wake up, so this is a bit disturbing for me at the best of times. Um, uh, let's pick through. One word to describe four men: the knobs. Amazing, dirty. Um, yes. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> they are, they are lovely. All, all four of them are really, really nice. Um, I really enjoy, I've really enjoyed CWP working with all four of them actually. Um, because I really enjoyed not being there, so I didn't have to tolerate them. <laughs> I don't blame you. I don't blame you. But no, uh, to the extent of I've, I've not really met um, Simon much before uh, the last CWP. But I got on really well with him. Planning the match was super easy. Um, I, I had a little joke with him first, saying like, oh, we'd, we'd do a Canadian Destroyer tonight. Uh, and he was kind of like, oh, I've never done one. And I was like, oh, do you want to do one? Because if you've not done one before, we might as well actually throw one in, and that'd be quite a lot of fun. Um, because I was kind of like, well, if this guy's never done one, it might be because nobody has wanted to take one 
before. So let's give them that opportunity um, to do, a, you know, something cool and different. Um, and he was like, yeah, sure. So we, we went through it a couple of times before and, uh, and managed to nail that. I think Ebenezer the geezer is kind of like Kane in a sense of he knows his gimmick so, so well. And he's oh, able yeah, to just, yeah, well, that's the thing. But it, even if it's just him dialed up to 11, or even if it's just him. It's just him, there's it no dials. He's 100% a bellend. <laughs> but it worked so, so well for him. Um, and uh, exactly the same for, for Dave. His character work and Ebenezer's character work is both incredible. And Gav is obviously Eddie Kenway. I've known him for years. Big Samoan dude. Amazing worker. Um, yeah, just just incredible, all of them. And and Gav's a really lovely person as well. He's one of the one of the first people when I started Outcast. I was like, right, if I'm bringing guys across from the mainland, I want this guy. Um, I want him coming over and doing stuff for us because not only does he have a sort of different look um, and he looks like a big professional wrestler, um, but he also works really well and is a really, really sweet guy. So he's a good guy to have in any locker room for sure. Robbie Nitro. Potato. Of course. Thank you. You had to I would have been like, get out. Out. <laughs> yeah, potato. Yeah. Yeah. Hot dog. Potato. Just, yeah, all those things. Um, but but once again, even, even with Robbie, you have to give him so much credit for giving no, guys no. opportunities on CWP no. and no. for doing incredible things for charity. Um, I know, He's I know you scary. and him have an, have an ongoing feud. That's not um, a feud. That's this blood. Uh, it's blood yeah, it's not, it's not a fuse because it's literally fighting him is like putting Muhammad Ali against an infant. Like it's just, <laughs> I would batter him to death. Like it's just, it's not even fair on him. But I could care less. <laughs> Stop being nice to people just because you know, you, you don't, you don't need the bookings, mate. They need you. Remember that. <laughs> they need you, Absolutely. especially Robbie Nitro. Yeah, no. But- but no, Robbie, Robbie gives so many opportunities and he does a lot of work for the charities. And so does everybody who works for CWP um, and does stuff behind the scenes for CWP. Everybody works so hard for that promotion to make money for a great course. Um, so, yeah, you can't you can't uh, criticise Robbie for that, even if he is a potato. I, I beg to differ. I can criticize him for everything. Um, <laughs> so, you must be new here, pal. Um, uh, right, one more. Uh, Frankie T. Frankie T. Uh, I believe Tasha's response was who? Um, <laughs> but uh, no, I, I really like Frankie T. Um, like I say, we... We... <laughs> we... Uh, Frankie, uh, uh, at, at a previous place as well um, and once again he was always always lovely there and it's it's really nice to see how far he's come um, because there's some people that you sit there and you watch them at the, the whatever training school you're at and you think this person's definitely going to make it like they're going to make it so far they're going to do this they're going to do that and that, I, 
if I'm being honest, I didn't necessarily get that impression of Frankie T when I first was training with him. But he's been willing to put in so much hard work, so much graft over the years, um, really come along as a wrestler because of it. Um, and not only that, he's come along as a person backstage and he's a lot more chatty now and he's sort of a lot more comfortable within himself and with within groups of people. Um, so I, I really like Frankie and I think he's come along a long way. One word to describe Jackson Arrow. Uh, right, Jackson Arrow as a character or Matt Jackson? See, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit more old school than you. When I hear that, I just think bollocks to that, mate. Like, <laughs> but then I'm also, Aaron okay. Nix is Aaron Nix. Like, and flat. Like, Jack, Jackson Arrow is still Matt Jackson, but it's a side of my personality that I don't very often show, which is that kind of cocky side um, in, you know, the Two side that is... Wrong. The side that is genuinely really confident in himself and as a person I'm not overly confident in myself uh, I'm kind of quietly confident um, and I don't give off sort of cockiness um, however when I'm Jackson Arrow I'm like right let's get all this cockiness and confidence out and be an absolute prick so if I was describing Jackson Arrow it would be cocky prick um, but if I was describing Matt Jackson, it wouldn't necessarily be the same thing. Cool. Uh, once again, you seem to be woefully misunderstood about what one word is. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, massively. Massively. <laughs> he's, right, he's not very good at this. Um, <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm, I'm awful at this. <laughs> Until the next time, Matthew Jackson Arrow. Um, yeah, we will have you back on, obviously. Like you got less of an excuse to duck. Uh, I assume that dudes uh, at Ringside have some sort of contractual agreement where they get first dibs, which is cool. So, I, and as I always, well, say, as I always say, my friend, as I always say, shit before shovel. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you'll do nothing. Um, absolutely nothing. Um, yeah, no, it's been a real pleasure having you on. I love what the identity of Outcast is. Um, and it's very easy for me to say, oh, it's amazing because I've trained there and I have an opportunity yeah. and oh boy and all this good stuff. But the bottom line is that if I thought something was shit, I'd tell you it was shit. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I appreciate and boy, that have from you. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm the first guy, you know, because ultimately I don't really care if people like me or not. I care about yeah. my integrity more so. Um, yeah, you know, absolutely. but obviously it's important to have good friends in this business and you are probably very high on that list. Probably. Definitely, definitely. Well, I'm, your kin, so I'm your next of kin, so I have to be somewhat high on that list. Yes, legitimately, yeah. Like, so, you know, I'll, I'll end with that story and for them to get you to plug your story. <laughs> so, um, obviously, despite my massive size jackson is determined to make me leave my feet every possible opportunity um which is absolutely fine to be fair standard international drill training gave myself a concussion off a really really simple basement drop kick um and lost feeling in my shoulders i'm very numb very warm um it goes without saying that the quality and the response time of how i was treated by people at outcast and particularly yourself and your partner is astonishing like, you won't get that treatment anywhere else, in my opinion. Normally, it's like, shake it off, kid. <laughs> you know, like yeah. it, is. it is in some places. Yeah. You know, you know, we've both been at certain schools that do that. And, um, yeah, no, so, you know, long story short, had had CTE scans, was 
completely fucked. Um, had no clue where I was for a lot of that experience. Don't actually remember some of it, which is a little bit alarming, but it is what it is. Yeah. Um, um, and obviously they weren't, basically they were saying, get out because <laughs> of COVID and stuff like that. So yeah. Jason was like, well, you know, can I at least leave my contact details so that, you know, I can be contacted when Aaron Nix does eventually leave hospital? Because unfortunately for me, I needed all sorts of scans and was strapped to a gurney and that. And uh, they were basically like, not unless you're an ex of kin. So Jackson offered to have himself put down as mine. So he's literally, officially my wrestling father, um, which is astounding when you consider <laughs> the age gap. So slightly disturbing, <laughs> but you know what? <laughs> It's uh, it's a very cool story to have, and yeah. it's, it's genuinely like, you know, we say it with like humor, but it's genuinely a source of pride for me. I think out of all oh, the people okay. I've met in wrestling, I would want you to be notified if there was an issue with me more so than pretty much anyone else. And yeah. you know, like that's testament, I think, to the character and the quality and the professionalism of how you conduct yourself first and foremost and your wrestling company which means that obviously more people want to follow you on social media so plug away uh i believe it is at jackson underscore on instagram and at outcast pro wrestling on instagram um and then yeah just on facebook jackson arrow and yet again on facebook outcast pro wrestling um yeah any sort of follows like shared it's always appreciated yeah, they'll all be provided in the description of the podcast, as will the ticket link for May 26th, because this will be going out with plenty of time. And um, yeah, uh, hopefully you haven't spoiled any releases by the time we drop it. So get up, get the graphics out of there quick so that people haven't been like, wait, what? I've no, I didn't know that match was even available. Or maybe this is just, you know, the first place. That's you're fine. If it, if it is, then it's an exclusive. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. There you go. Oh, I, I thought you were going to give that to you. A wrestle plug. There we go. Yeah. See that now. Now he's coming back to it. When he recognised <laughs> we get when we got more subs than dudes, then all of a sudden he pays. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry. I'll, I'll give them all the uh, all the exclusives in June when I go on for owners month. That's cool. That's cool. But <laughs> by that point, we'll be too big time to be wasting our time. You anyway. No, oh, outrageous! <laughs> yeah, there goes the low well. blow straight yeah, there. That's, Bang. Yeah, that's it. We're going to replace you with Crusher Curtis, mate. So, um, okay, fair enough. I, I really don't think that's going to be the case. If I'm being honest, sometimes, sometimes bigger is better. Yeah. So, um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, go ahead and replace me with Crusher Curtis. That's fine. I thought you said bigger is better. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah we'll leave that there we'll leave that right there where it belongs um, but ladies and gentlemen thank you very much for watching uh, thank you very much Jackson Arrow for finally getting your arse in gear and joining me in the wrestle plug I'd like to think that I've spared you a lot of the atypical nonsense that we tend to throw around here so <laughs> people are going to be watching this going where's all the jokes about AC and all that sort of stuff and if you don't know what AC means we're not going into that but it's on the watch along dear god almighty <laughs> um so yeah no the the idea is that we give a balance here and i think yeah. you have an astonishing amount of not only integrity but you have a great deal of knowledge that can be applied on the bill and the fact that you're only 24 is not only truly a testament to how special you are in this business also it's fucking disgusting is what it is because it's 24 <laughs> I literally could barely take a shit. So <laughs> incompetence doesn't cover it. Pretty sure I was under the influence of that age regularly. Um, so, yeah. <laughs>
congratulations. Um, it is with an incredible amount of envy we say that we are all very, very, very proud of what you have achieved. Oh, and we look forward you. to seeing what you're going to achieve. Thank you very much. And thank you so much for having me and for being so patient and waiting for me to come on. I, honestly, I really, really appreciate it. And I appreciate the platform that you provide. That's all I mean. And you as a friend. Yeah, right. <laughs> he dropped that in at the end, didn't he? Oh, yeah, we're yeah. also friends. Um, <laughs> just, just so people know, I don't completely hate it. Um, see, I do have friends in the business, but fuck yourselves. Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, right. But yeah, no, bottom line is make sure you follow our Crossbar Wrestling, make sure you follow Jackson Arrow, and just remember that good people are always worth waiting for, which is why we waited so long to have him on the podcast. <laughs> and Maybe it was so me. long. <laughs> it was, it was very, very pretty sure we've had two shows in the time it's taken to record this for folks. So um, <laughs> but yeah, don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, May 26th. I've been Aaron X, he's been Jackson Aaron. We'll catch you very soon for more content from the rest of the